Welcome to Podcast for Leaderful Schools, coming to you almost live via Zoom from Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan. It's a beautiful spring day in Michigan, and this is Bob Maxfield, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Dr. Suzanne Klein. So good morning. Good morning, Bob. It's another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Flowers are growing. We had a little bit of rain, and uh, it is truly spring, almost summertime weather. And our today is a special recording of uh, podcast for Leaderful Schools, because we have with us, uh, as our guest, one of my favorite people, Larry Thomas. Uh, Larry and I have worked together for about a thousand years on a variety of projects, and uh, it's always been a privilege for me to work with him and a privilege for our staff to have the benefit of his service. So, so Larry, we're delighted you could be with us today, and a good place to begin is just to let you tell us a bit about your professional background, and then we'll uh, talk a little bit about what all that means to us in the longer term. Great. Well, good morning to everyone, and uh, thank you for the invitation to join you. Um, I started uh, back uh, 40 years ago now, and it's amazing to think how quickly 40 years in public ed can fly by. <laughs> uh, but started my career working with Detroit Public Schools uh, in, in the Head Start program, um, and loved that as a first experience as an educator, and Stayed there for a number of years, so I kept getting laid off and decided full-time employment and paying bills would be helpful as well as working with kids. So I uh, was lucky to get a job in Rochester Community Schools and taught, uh, served as building administrator, teacher leader, and central office administrator over the course of uh, 15, 16 years in Rochester, and then uh, took a position with Oakland Schools, uh, the intermediate school district in Oakland County for the 28 school districts and charter schools. And again, thought, oh, I'll do a few years there and then go back to a, a district and work with kids. But the incredible experience of working with colleagues from across 28 school districts and charter schools on behalf of children and educators uh, was just wonderful. So I ended up staying with Oakland Schools until I retired and have since uh, been working part-time for them and doing some contracting work outside of uh, working with them since and loving it. Still with teachers, still with kids, and still with administrators. One of the things that I remember, well, I, as I mentioned earlier, it's just been a privilege to work with you, uh, but as a superintendent, it was always comforting to know you were working with people in our district uh, because they always came away saying this was valuable. We, I'm a better teacher or a better administrator now because of what Larry Thomas has done. And then in later years, uh, you worked closely with us at Oakland University on a countywide equity project that uh, uh, I think still is a model of what could be done and what should be done. So uh, for all that, I'm grateful. But from your perspective, Larry, what are the things you look back that you're most proud of? Uh, I think what I'm most proud of is being able to work with so many dedicated, passionate people and um, that are on behalf of children. And just to be a contributor to that and a learner with so many other people is really what I'm most proud of related to the career work that I've been able to do. Um, it is being of service to children. And nothing much is, there's nothing that's much better than that. So for that, thank you. So Sue, let's turn to the project you and Larry have been working on. Recently, I had the pleasure of working with Larry um, on a series of workshops for district teams from the Tri-County area here in Michigan, as they looked at what they were going to do post-pandemic, taking a look at what they learned, taking a look at what they wanted to keep, what they uh, didn't feel was successful any longer, and basically planning ahead in a systematic and coherent way for learning in their school district. We entitled the series Teaching and Learning After the Pandemic, and from the feedback and all reports, it certainly has been a professional development experience that um, helped them 
live into some of those questions and then seek some answers. Larry, for our listeners, please give them an overview of this project in terms of how it was organized, who helped you with the facilitation, so that they have a better sense of what it was uh, that the six week, ex the six session experience provided. Sure, thank you. Well, it was, a, it was a great information was given to me. Uh, Bob and Suzanne had originally met with superintendents across the three counties and asked what would be helpful to them as they start thinking post-pandemic and what would be helpful to uh, their educational systems, their schools, their classrooms, and most importantly for our, our kids and our families. And so we took that data, uh, the three of us, and did some brainstorming. And what we ended up coming up with was a six-part series, uh, professional learning series, that were going to be an hour and a half long each because we were also hearing with all the stress that all the educators were trying to juggle both uh, web-based learning and live learning and everything else in between that an hour and a half was gonna be as much as they could really uh, muster up right now. So we crafted a six part series, hour and a half each. And uh, the topics that we landed on with the input from the superintendents across the three counties was uh, relationship and trust needed to be first because at the core, so many things were going on in so many directions that relationships uh, were stressed. Uh, in districts and classrooms, in communities, with parents and schools, because everyone was in such a state of confusion and trust is at the center of quality relationships. So our first session, uh, which I facilitated with a group was around that. We followed it intentionally with uh, learning versus schooling is what, what we called it. And it was really a focus on instruction. But the whole notion of is school first and foremost about learning and or schooling? And because this is our opportunity to change some things, hopefully with what we've learned in the last year, year and a half of our life. And we had Grayson McKinney from Troy School District, who was an elementary teacher. He facilitated the content portion of that session for us and did a beautiful job. Uh, he's, he brought a very broad spectrum, spectrum of instructional practices, uh, really honing in on things that also motivate kids to learn. And I think he really laid that out very well. That was mm -hmm. followed by a, a, a session on equity. We felt if we're gonna be able to get at instruction that's core after we're working in rebuilding trust and relationships, our theory of action was, we gotta make sure we're attending to equity so that all kids, all families, all educators are getting what they need in order to provide the best education for all of our kids. And we were really happy to have Dr. Robin Thompson, who's the HR director for Utica Community Schools currently. She facilitated the content for that section, uh, that session for us. Uh, and her experiences and her knowledge in, in the area of equity was just superb. And that session was very well um, received by our colleagues. Then to put this little system started together with everything going on during the pandemic, we knew that technology and digital was at the center of everyone's life during the pandemic. And it also has huge impact for how we go forward. So we followed that session with one on technology and digital and try to also put it in its perspective that that's not the driver, it's a support system to learning. And so that's why we intentionally went first with relationships and trust, uh, a focus on instruction at the core, making it equitable, and then helping to encourage the thought processes around technology and digital's contribution and tremendous contribution and possibilities. Uh, so that was our next session. And again, Jen McCollum from uh, the Woodhaven Brownstone School District in Wayne County, she facilitated that and just, again, she knocked it out of the ballpark like the other facilitators had done. And then we followed that with a session on systems. Our fourth one was, we thought, all right, we gotta start taking these core ideas around trust relationships uh, instruction, equity, and tech and digital, and provide time to think about what's the impact to your system now, whether it be your, the system of your classroom, your school, your district, your county, cross county, 
So we did a session on systems and we lucked out on this one. Uh, Michelle Black, who is a teacher leader in Wald Lake Schools and Catherine Russell, who was a principal, had both gone through the Galileo project together. Both had taught together in their district, but are in mid-middle management uh, positions in the system, which really was a, a core idea we were trying to get across in that session. So we lucked out getting two people that were very experienced at middle management and, and middle leadership. And they just, again, like everyone else, they, they spoke to the needs of people. Our participants were made up from classroom teachers through superintendents. And so we tried to have facilitators to represent many of those different roles as well and perspectives so that the work people were getting was really right to the point, right with people who were delivering it as the teachers were. And then our last session was really kind of to wrap all this together. And it was really continuing to focus on systems thinking and pulling tools together and protocols together that people could use to work with others. And then we did something really kind of fun in the last session is we had each district team match up with another team and give their draft plan of what where they thought they were going based on the sessions we had had. And they did a feedback listening session and feedback session to one another in order to kind of critique, but also encourage and to lift ideas up uh, across systems that were really important. So that's a quick summary of what we did. It was all done from the perspective of leading learning and supporting learning and improving the quality of teaching and learning. And I know as you're describing the sessions and having attended as they unfolded, they there were lots of things that went just as planned. And then there were other ideas that came zinging in from left field or from someone's comment uh, that helped us redesign or tweak or whatever. Talk a little bit about that experience because wherever one is in that teaching and learning dyad, um, we monitor, we adjust, we build on, we get new perspectives. What did you expect and then what surprised you that made you say, aha, got to head over this direction a little bit? Well, part of it was juggling the digital learning atmosphere, which for me is somewhat new. Uh, and then we had many teachers that had been uh, tossed into it. Well, every teacher had been tossed into it. So this whole notion of communally learning together digitally with all of us, kind of a, a, a tapestry of what we put together online, uh, it worked out kind of beautifully. Um, there was, with my lack of technical skill in this area as a facilitator, um, but people that were helping us with these sessions we're doing it day to day. So we just, it, it was a, a nice example of what I think teachers have been doing throughout this and schools and districts have been doing through this. We just wrapped our arms around one another. We modified where we needed to. We had a plan of action uh, intently in focus of what we were wanting to do, but we customized based on needs, based on context. And it was just a nice representation of the reality of the last year, year and a half for us. And we lived it in the sessions that we did. And I wasn't, obviously I wasn't anticipating all that. It just happened. And uh, I think we made good of it and uh, thank everyone that helped with that. Think with us uh, out loud for just a moment because you've had so much experience at the ISD and then at your district level roles in creating networks for teaching and learning and networks for professional development. Was there an aha or a yes uh, kind of moment as you look at what came about as a result of those sessions? It's interesting. Um, for the amount of time that we had, as I said earlier, an hour and a half each time, we had intentionally built into each one a content piece, a connection piece. Uh, we wanted them to meet with their district team because we knew they wanted that. We wanted to also integrate with uh, conversations with colleagues from across other districts and other counties in order to build collaboration. 
And there were moments where it, uh, someone said it felt like speed dating in the, in the feedback to us. But at the same time, as it was feedback, our speed dating, they didn't want to miss any pieces of. Mm -hmm. So each individual component of what we were trying to do, I think, was necessary, needed, and helpful. But it was done in the context of time that was being respectful of educators' time frame, but they wanted more. And it's kind of a nice conundrum, but it's kind of what we lived. They wanted more, but yet we're being respectful of the time because they're juggling so many things. But I would argue that I think the core of what we got at because of the superintendent's input to the two of you that we built on, the topics were of such quality need for them and supported what they were thinking about. It gave them the space to start thinking about what's possible going forward. And I think that was one of the things that you were hoping for. Absolutely. And again, I just had flashed through my mind the, the slide that you put on the screen for a number of those sessions about what is possible. It really set the stage for the content and then the tools you modeled and the process you modeled gave them opportunities to learn about how they might go back and lead learning in their own district. Well, and with all the pressures everyone's been living under, to just live with where everyone's heart and soul and intellect really is for children, uh, we tried really hard to provide that to be of service to our colleagues out there who've just been giving their hearts and souls uh, to all of our kids. Absolutely. Yeah, the scope of this project, uh, I think we need to, for the sake of our listeners, flesh that out a little bit more. How many districts were involved? How many individuals were involved? And were they just teachers? Were they administrators? Who were they? Um, I believe we started off with 19 districts, if my memory is correct. Actually, 14 districts. Oh, thank you. Sorry. 14 districts. Uh, we had a number of others that kind of wanted in, and some districts wanted more people than what we originally thought each district should have. Uh, and uh, Elaine and Suzanne juggled that beautifully with districts to accommodate their context, their needs. Um, so we didn't have a particular singular number that came from districts, but what we did ask them to consider uh, was that a superintendent uh, would be there, some central office colleagues would be there, building administrators would be there, and first and foremost, teachers would be there. The most difficult one to get there were teachers just because of what they were juggling and digging with, uh, with all the kids and just trying to uh, survive. Our hope, I think, initially was like 60% teachers and 40% the other group, and it actually ended up being, I think, the reverse. We had about 60% of people that weren't directly teachers, but 40% or so were teachers. It worked out fine, um, but we were trying to be first and foremost of service of the direct practitioners with children. Um, and so there was a little flip there because of um, the timing and the, of what we're living through right now. We also had some folks from the university and the local ISDs who appeared as they could. They weren't attached to a particular team, but they popped into some of the breakout sessions as critical friends, as thought partners, um, as a, a person who could help support with resources later. So we appreciated the fact that there was this floating group of folks who might also be a resource later on um, across counties, again, uh, for the folks that attended. I think just to add to what Suzanne just said, I would say that that was intentionally done by us in the planning because what we wanted to do is align to be of service to all those schools and districts in the Tri-County area instead of everyone kind of uh, competing without trying to compete for time, energy, resources, and direction to help our colleagues. Uh, we were really making an intentional uh, uh, try to get as much coordination and collaboration involved going forward uh, just to help teachers and administrators. 
And Larry, that makes me think of your noteworthy cards. Would you tell our listeners just a little bit about that before we move on? Because that was a strategy as well as a tool sure. that they could um, take with. So part of it was we wanted to build community across the schools and districts here, which oftentimes we don't have time for. And we also know that everyone is rushing and you know, everyone's juggling so much. But stepping out of one of the things that the superintendents had said to the two of you when you were thinking about doing this series, and it stuck in my head when, uh, when I met with you, was this whole notion of building trust and relationships has to be an underpinning of healing. So uh, I chose to really become somewhat of a little bit of a nag, but trying to do it playfully with people through the course of the series. Uh, and just saying, when you hear someone really sharing an idea that provokes thinking for you or adds to your thinking or provides you with a resource, consider just sending them a, a, a little note. And so I had this little formal card that we had made up uh, and said, you know, here's one that we've made up called Noteworthy because something noteworthy happened today. So share it with someone. Don't have to use that, but just consider uh, sharing and thinking contributions from people that are helping to trigger thinking for yourself or giving you resources to think about. So uh, that was a kind of a piece we embedded throughout the entire series. And a number of people took part of it uh, whether they did it there or they do it somewhere else or they do it with their kids in their classrooms, it didn't matter. But what we wanted to do is promote acknowledgement and affirmation for people as part of the series as well. And then a good transition to where I wanted to go next. And that is that in many ways, the 14 districts and assorted hanger on, and I, I think we had as many as 80 or 90 people <clears throat> signed up for this thing. Uh, it served as a kind of a microcosm of what's going on in schools across America. Uh, and not only what is going on, but what we hope is going on. And so as you reflect on this experience and reflect on your work with school districts across the broader region, uh, what do you see as the big challenges that schools are gonna face coming back at it in the fall uh, when some sense of normalcy returns? And, uh, and we'll go from there to what have we learned from this series that hopefully they can apply to make teaching and learning better for everybody concerned. But, but what do you see as some of the challenges, Larry, that these districts, that school leaders and teachers are gonna be facing? Well, I think the biggest one that stands out right away hearing that question, Bob, is time. It's always been uh, difficult, but finding time is one piece. And again, we chose an hour and a half to be respectful of their schedules and everything they were juggling. But an hour and a half, we had to pack all this content in. And it's kind of a, an interesting analogy to what has happened in schools for as long as I, you know, 40 years I've been part of it, is we never have enough time to do the kinds of things to really get at good, good solid core instruction with kids that's meaningful and equitable, that has builds rapport for kids. All, all the pieces that we had as our titles for the sessions, time is always difficult. And then when the bureaucracy around us surrounds us the way it does, well-intended governmental policies and such, they suck up so much time with those things that we don't spend as much time in the core reason we exist, which is learning for kids. And I think that's a piece that educators really need. So one of my hopes when we look at changing systems is start small, find what we can do, find successes, but then challenge the state, the federal government, and even our school boards where necessary that the time that we get needs to be used for what's core, which is helping us get better with this thing called learning. Um, so that would be the first one that comes to mind hearing the question. But then in, learning comes best when we have good protocols and systems to have uh, time spent with educators in meaningful ways. And so we tried to practice in this series using a lot of different protocols 
and then also talking about the value of them so that people could think about how that would fit in their classrooms first and foremost, in their in their grade level meetings, uh, in their district meetings, and their and and so forth, so that we were trying to take the time to model and uh, give them resources that would take not just the content of learning, but make that time effectively used in order to make the system better than it currently is. Um, the commitments are there from our colleagues. So I, I think we were trying to give them uh, a breathing space and tools and talk about structures, but time is a huge one. And the beauty of the structure of the series, uh, writ large for school districts is, these are really the post-pandemic challenges that every school district is gonna have to face. How do we build and restore relationships? How do we deal with equity? Uh, how do we guarantee equity in a ways we haven't before? Uh, how do we effectively use technology? How do we uh, uh, lead from the middle? I mean, these are all challenges that, uh, you know, we've done, these are all goals that were important before. But the pandemic has revealed how important it is to address those in a very specific way. So uh, I think for all of us, the challenge is going to be how do we take that to a larger, up to scale? How do we take it to a larger, to a broader audience? Any thoughts, Larry, as to how we might, what some next steps might be? Well, I think one of the next steps is uh, building off of what they're trying to do right now. And uh, again, what not that this series we just did was the ultimate series, but it's the example to which uh, we can talk about right now together. And um, stepping outside of the, the, the tyranny of the urgent, um, an old saying, can take over the important. And so to me, trying to keep what's important important is the one idea that, um, I, I would encourage people to, in whatever way you can do that for yourself to try to do that for yourself um, because we're going to get bombarded. It's just part of our, our uh, profession. It's been part of our culture. And, it, and as we're trying to get back to what used to be normal, which hopefully will just be a different place with some of the old normal things, how do you prioritize that? So again, visioning out what's your mission, what are you trying to get at and, and holding close to that, whether you be an individual a grade level team, a school, a district, uh, across districts, sticking and finding that vision and finding ways to say no to some of the stuff that isn't going to have the impact for kids that you want to have or allow you the time and space to get better than you already are with your practices. To me, it's the core we've got to, that, that's where the discipline has to come in in some way, shape or form. And uh, I think that will be a huge struggle. But I do think people are ready to try to tackle that differently than I think even three years ago was in place, if that makes sense to you or not. That's been a, that's been a theme in a, a number of our previous podcasts in this resetting series uh, is how do you resist the pressures? And I think there will be pressures from the parent community and particularly from politicians to uh, make up for what the so-called learning loss. Mm -hmm. uh, and for some, that means just kind of force feeding everything that we used to do before that wasn't so effective and now try to cram it into more time. And what you're proposing is something very different, which is take the time to get it right, take the time to do a few things well uh, and resist the temptation to cram it down kids and teachers' throats. Well, and and what you make me think of with that, Bob, is... Um, I'll use myself as an example, because I have thought about this one quite a bit, this whole notion of learning loss rather than living your life, because 
we all have been living our life with the context that's in front of us, which is gone on in civilizations forever. And so as a person that uh, has never been one to exercise, uh, I've had a phobia of being a person that would exercise. I could say to myself, well, don't exercise because I haven't done it before. Or over the last two years, when I, and shortly after I got diabetes, I learned to start exercising and I learned to discipline myself to something that's probably the biggest phobia I ever had in my life was exercising regularly or going to a gym was even worse. I do both regularly now because I recognize the importance of it. So I know it's kind of a, a small example, but we all are living our lives as human beings first and foremost. And if we can learn to say no, with some, whether it's diet or whether it's a hobby or something else, and we can learn some of those, in this context, our careers of being of service to children and to the system of public education is an opportunity to learn to politely say no, but to grab that courage to do something a little different and help impact changing our system. So this notion of leading from the middle, the reason I'm so committed to it now is when we get teacher leaders helping to support classroom teachers and bringing information back up the system into central office, that's leading from the middle. When we get superintendents who are really trying to work at the state level to help affect policy that's of service to education rather than service to bureaucracies and or governmental needs first and foremost, and I'm not saying those are bad, I'm just saying that they don't always, we don't always get from legislative bodies the things that are most beneficial for children. And it's setting those priorities in that leading through the middle and different roles of different people in the system taking on pieces of that and then collaboratively communicating together. I do believe we could really impact the system in very constructive, positive ways for everyone's sake and particularly for the kids' sake. I think it's possible. That's, that's optimistic and encouraging uh, at this time, but you know, you've sort of anticipated what was going to be our last question, and that was, if you could wave a magic wand, what are two or three things that you would hope uh, the new normal would involve, uh, people that would do differently than they've been doing, and I'm hearing you say what you just said, which is give yourself time, do a few things well, uh, trust the leaders in the middle, but is there, is there anything else that you wanted to just underscore at this point that you think is just so critical moving forward? Yeah, and I, I, I do think those are two of them, but one I would also add is a 10 more to social emotional learning and trust. Ah, um, because at the core, if we're not taking care of human beings as human beings, whole human beings, we're not going to get much further uh, and simultaneously attending to the academics. So for many of us, I think historically, we thought our job is to come in and teach the stuff, the curriculum. And I would argue that our job is to teach children and human beings first. And that the complement to that is by giving them academics and things to learn. But if we don't attend to the whole needs of a whole human being or a whole community, we're not gonna get very far for all kids and the whole equity issue, I don't believe is ever going to come to life the way we want it to. Um, so that would be the other one, but then leading effectively and more from the middle and being strategic with the ways that leadership takes place. So this notion that everything has to come from the school board or the, uh, or the, the superintendent down, is such an antiquated thought, but there are significant leadership roles all of them play, but getting clearer about where leadership can really be of value to the system. And that's in my mind, I, don't, I haven't seen any other examples or read any more that leading from the middle is a construct that I think we could get um, more serious about and, and get better at. And then you name the other ones. While you're doing that, it's gotta be done in the context of a collaborative culture using protocols in order to help us make the collaborative meetings most useful for kids 
rather than just sitting in some of the old meetings I sat in as a classroom teacher and as a principal and as a central office administrator and many times facilitating without good protocols and structures where we just talked. And so those would be the three big ones that come to my mind. Okay. So is there anything that we haven't discussed in this interview that you wish we had? Is there anything else that, you, you know, as we have this opportunity to reach out to the school leaders who are going to be addressing these post-pandemic challenges, anything else that you wish you'd been able to say? Well, at the heart of it all for me, I would say be kind to yourself and to others because um, what our colleagues have gone through for the last uh 18 months or however long it has been in total has been horrendous on many regards, but also full of possibilities. And if we're not being kind to ourselves and to others, nothing else is gonna really shape up and try, try, try to keep your focus on kids' needs first and foremost and what all kids needs more than what the system sometimes will tell us to do. And I think we have talked about that one some. Great advice. So Sue, uh and to use Larry's phrase uh, in another context, this has been a home run. It's been a wonderful starting point because what we found as we did the evaluation um, survey and got information back is people want more. People want time to collaborate across the three counties. They want more time with their teams to delve in to how they can create systems and protocols for continuous improvement in their district. This was a wonderful uh, learning experience, but it also opened the door for other things to come, which will be in the next phase for imagining, designing, and then hopefully presenting and sharing. So with that, um, I always need to mention that our guest has given permission to record this program so that it's, uh, it is available uh, and will be posted soon. Uh, Larry, I'm sure you don't mind if we put your uh, email contact information on the website as this is uh, uh, when this is finalized. Not at all. Um, and there's some nice links from the uh, from the workshop that I'm sure we'll figure that Suzanne and Elaine will figure out how to include. So, so to our listeners, thank you for being part of this installment of Podcast for Leaderful Schools. It's been our privilege to give you an opportunity to get to know more about Larry Thomas, and so. Uh, uh, Please take advantage of following to follow the opportunities to follow up with him and stay tuned as we continue the podcast for Leaderful Schools, almost live from Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan, as we continue to wrestle with the challenges facing schools and school leaders beyond the pandemic. <laughs>